From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We've been away for a little bit, but Happy New Year. We have a new Congress, and it looks like a train wreck coming for the fiscal agenda, which is what we want to talk about today. I've got an all-star panel to do that. Uh, Laura Weiss, who covers tax policy at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me. Aiden Quigley, who covers appropriations at CQ Roll Call. Thanks for being here, Aiden. Thanks for having me, David. And Paul Krozak, our senior budget writer. Thanks for being here, Paul. Great to be back, David. And Paul, I think I have to start with you because because the biggest challenge, clearly, that they are facing this year is going to be this showdown between the two parties over raising the debt limit. This is the most important thing because of the calamity that can occur if they don't raise the debt limit. And both sides seem pretty dug in here. Republicans really want to extract some concessions from Democrats to raise the debt limit. It's a huge point of leverage for them. Democrats are saying, no dice, we're not playing that game. Doesn't seem like there's much much common ground there. Walk us through, Paul, because you wrote a, a big preview story on this. What are the stakes and how do they get out of this? Well, I, you know, the, the stakes are that um, they they will probably, I mean, based on current estimates, they will have to raise the debt limit um, by sometime in the summer. Um, or if they don't, then the government would default uh, because the Treasury would not have enough cash on hand and would run out of borrowing room and the Treasury would not be able to pay all of its bills. That's never happened before. Uh, so uh, that, that would be some kind of calamity um, if that happened. Um, so they, they need to raise the debt limit before that. And, you know, as you said, um, House Republicans are insisting that they will, they will extract concessions in return for raising the debt limit. Um, that could be spending cuts. It could be something else. Could be some kind of budget process changes. But they've certainly talked about wanting spending cuts for this. Yeah, I mean, spending cuts is uh, the most popular demand right now. I mean, Republicans have not come together around any particular thing, and it'll be quite some time before they do that. Um, and that will be a challenge too. Um, the last time that any major concessions were attached to a debt limit increase was back in 2011. And that's when John Boehner was House Speaker and uh, President Obama was the president and uh, Democrats controlled the Senate. And the in exchange for a debt limit increase, uh, the Congress passed the Budget Control Act, which put caps on discretionary spending for 10 years and also... Uh, made automatic cuts to mandatory spending. So that was a really big thing. Uh, but since then, Democrats have held the line against attaching any conditions to a debt limit increase. And what's been striking to me, Paul, is 
Republicans keep insisting that that they want to see spending curbs as part of any debt limit deal. But it also seems like they've been afraid to be specific about what they mean at all. There's been certainly a push for for more discretionary spending cuts, but they but they also talk about wanting to overhaul Social Security and Medicare. It's pretty clear they haven't come to grips among themselves about what exactly they want to ask for here, which is another reason this is going to take a long time, right? Because if Republicans aren't even agreement, can't even decide yet among themselves what to ask for, it's hard to get the negotiations going with Democrats to cut a deal. Right. And there are you know, two approaches to cutting spending. Um, there's sort of the old school Republican approach that says um, the the biggest part of federal spending is the entitlement programs, the mandatory spending, and that's the part of spending that's growing the fastest. So we have to address that. We have to make structural changes in Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. And then there is a sort of newer Republican approach, um, which is, and, and you know, Russ... Russ Vogt, who was President uh, Trump's uh, budget director, has sort of popularized this approach, which is you first have to show you're serious about cutting discretionary spending before the American people will accept the idea that you are going to make changes to these entitlement programs. So, um, you know, there is there's a division among House Republicans about where to cut first. And, you know, in terms of raising the debt limit, um, it's, you know, it's probably unlikely that they would propose major changes to Social Security and Medicare as part of that, because there isn't enough support for that um, within the House Republican Caucus. And that's also something that, I mean, would really require, you'd have to get Senate Democrats on board, you'd have to get the president on board if you wanted to make any changes in entitlement programs. So I think it's unlikely that they they push for that, although, you know, it's possible that they propose, you know, some kind of commission which would deal with mandatory spending as as a condition for raising the debt limit. Something like that is possible. But I think the problem they have, Paul, is is if they just try to focus it on discretionary spending, people a lot smarter than I have pointed out that you just can't get there from there, that, that you just can't cut discretionary spending enough to really tackle these rising deficits and debt um, because there's, not a, there's just not enough there to cut. You can't cut your way through that. Um, and, and the Congressional Budget Office has pointed out that the main driver of deficits is the entitlement programs. It's not discretionary spending. So I think that's their dilemma, right? Is, is, is sure you can show the good faith by just tackling discretionary spending first, as Russ Vogt pointed out. And sure, you can set up another decade of discretionary spending cuts if you want, like, like they did in 2011, but they kept, they set the caps and then they kept raising those caps. It's debatable how much really got cut that way. Uh, but it doesn't get you there, and so and so then will you have all these disappointed conservatives um, <laughs> saying, "What have we accomplished?" Right. Well, right, and I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to write a budget resolution which envisions eliminating the deficit within ten years. Um, it's another thing to actually 
write appropriations bills that make those cuts. And would Democrats be willing to cut another deal like that, like they did in 2011 with discretionary spending cuts? You know, that did pave a way for a decade of these budget caps we were living under, which periodically had to get raised anyway. But would Democrats be willing to, to do that again? Yeah, there's certainly no indication that they would be. In which case, where does that leave Republicans? I mean, th- that is the real dilemma here, right? And that's why it's such an unknown um, what Republicans are going to ask for and fight for in connection with the debt limit. Yeah, so that is a major challenge. That can't We can't understate how that really does top the fiscal agenda here this year. Um, that's sort of a do or die thing. And they've got, I think both sides agree, they know in their hearts that they have to raise the debt limit. No one really wants fiscal calamity and a default on obligations and and not being able to pay the troops or send out social security checks, um, which could happen if you don't have enough borrowing authority. Um, No one really wants that. And yet Republicans, we have a new Republican majority in the House that are eager to make their mark here and want to show that they're tough on spending. And so how do you how do you cut a deal? And that that is going to be the main focus that we're going to have to be looking at this year, along with the basic task of governing and and funding the government, Aiden, which brings me to you, uh, because even that is going to be an even rockier road than usual, I think. Where do we stand on just getting appropriations bills? Yeah, so as part of the negotiations between Kevin McCarthy and the conservative holdouts during the speaker election, McCarthy promised that he would write the government spending bill at the fiscal 2022 top line level. Uh, and that means, uh, you know, an 8% cut across the board, um, which has, you know, kind of really gotten tensions high already. You know, we just passed an omnibus in December and now. You know, we have uh, appropriations definitely kind of being front and center of the talk around the McCarthy speaker election. Um, And really, a lot of Republicans are saying we will not cut defense spending that much. You know, they're saying that the fiscal 22 level is too low, you know, with the war in Ukraine and a growing threat by China. You know, they need to keep increasing defense spending, not having a defense spending cut. So that would mean if they do write the bills at the fiscal 22 level, it's about a 17 or 18 percent cut to non-defense spending, which also it's, you know, the, which is, which is really inconceivable, right? I mean, an 18% cut to all non-defense programs would take huge wax out of everything. There's no way Democrats would go for that. And there's a democratic controlled Senate. I mean, it just does seem like it sets them up for a train wreck. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that we're definitely going to be looking at uh, tension between the House and the Senate and different visions of how we should fund the government uh, that is most likely to lead to a continuing resolution uh, at this point, I would say. Of course, you know, as we get closer, things can always change, but, um, you know, a continuing resolution would be the fiscal 2023 level, which is higher than what Republicans are want. You know, McCarthy has promised at the fiscal 22 level. So, you know, it, it's definitely going to be a challenge to, you know, fund the government, but we have until the end of the fiscal year to, uh, you know, figure that out. Yeah, but I think you do point out there, and you, and you, you have a great piece up on, on CQ 
uh, and roll call uh, this week, previewing this whole appropriation struggle that's coming, and and the real dilemma Republicans have there that that even as they're promising uh, this this big sort of across the board fiscal twenty two level cut to to current spending, the problem they have is they don't want to cut defense, and. And if you don't want to cut defense, then it's much bigger than an 8% cut. It's more, as you, as you point out, it's more like an 18% cut. And that, I think, even includes uh, funding for veterans. And Republicans don't even want to cut that, really. And so you could be upwards of 20% cut across the board for everything else. And it's just sort of inconceivable. So they're sort of starting out here with 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 a position that isn't going to be seen as very credible, I think. And, and even some Republicans in your story, Aiden, which everybody should read, actually voice that deep skepticism that that's that's at all at all doable um you had a senior yeah. appropriator i think steve womack point that out yeah and the math is particularly challenging when you have a group of republicans who don't vote for any spending bills uh you know probably some of the 20 holdouts against mccarthy and the freedom caucus types who just do not vote for spending bills maybe they would vote for one if it was if they did consider it a, a large enough cut but you know at that point, you would risk losing moderate Republicans. So it's just really going to be challenging with such a slim majority and no Democratic support whatsoever to have Republicans be able to pass these bills through the House, which is what they're saying their goal is to get all 12 bills passed out of the House. Uh, yeah. And so, <laughs> I mean, if they can't even get them through the House under Republican control, um, boy, I mean, where are they then? I mean, it it really does seem like a mess. I mean, all it would take is a few moderate Republicans to join the Democrats to defeat those bills, right? Yeah. And then, you know, and and as we talk about Democratic-controlled Senate, Democratic White House, like they're definitely a non, the House bills would be a non-starter, but that would lead to negotiations with the Senate. But would the House Republicans even play ball with the Senate when they're so far apart of what McCarthy has promised? Or, Will McCarthy be willing to negotiate to fund the government, get a defense increase, potentially, you know, the normal calculations that Republicans typically play under? Yeah. And, you know, the my basic frustration always with the appropriations process is congressional leadership isn't willing to sit down and cut a bipartisan deal on the overall spending limits until the very end of the year. And that's when they unclog the system and they get an omnibus done. They're not willing to do it at the beginning of the year. And because of that, there's never any bipartisan agreement on spending levels. And because of that, these appropriation bills can go nowhere. And it drags on all year and they can't get it done. And it it seems to me as though that's certainly the case this year because there will be no incentive, zero, for congressional leaders to sit down at the beginning of this year and cut any bipartisan deal on spending limits because McCarthy and the new GOP in the House are, are eager to prove their, their fiscal bona fides here and, and show how tough they are on spending. And they want to see these, these more draconian spending cuts pass, at least in the House, to prove themselves before they back off and cut a deal, right? So, I mean, I think your prediction of, a, of, a, of another stopgap measure is, is right on because there's just no, no way they can start negotiating any realistic spending levels. Is that Yeah, fair? and that definitely fair. And even a continuing resolution 
might be hard to pass the House with such a slim majority and some Republicans who will say, no, this funding level is too high. We need a cut before we vote for anything. So it, it's going to be a tricky, tricky calculation when we get down to the end of the year. So that's another mess on our hands that we will be focusing on this year. But before we go, we want to talk about taxes because, Laura, you know, there's a new Republican majority. Uh, Republicans are big on tax cuts. Uh, they've always talked about wanting to extend, make permanent the Trump tax cuts that, that they thought were so popular with voters. Questionable if they really were that popular, but um, they really take pride in them and, and credit them with strengthening the economy before the pandemic hit. Um, can they get that done? I mean, do what do we see on the tax front? Is anything going to be possible with this divided Congress? Yeah, I think it's a really tricky position. The tax code, you know, Democrats and Republicans disagree on so much of what the tax code should look like. Um, but there is agreement. I think one thing that is sort of immediately coming up is all the various tax provisions that were in the mix for a potential extenders sort of plus package at the end of last year. Um, those are coming up quickly again. We have things like a bigger incentive for companies' research and development um, that are lapsed and that there are lawmakers quite concerned about. Um, one thing we've learned in those discussions is that Senate Finance Chair Ron Wyden basically told us that, you know, they're still expecting the child tax credit to be paired with anything that includes those business tax breaks. So though that's sort of what complicated those conversations at the end of last year. And the reason we understand that nothing happened was Republicans, especially in the Senate, didn't want to negotiate on the child tax credit. Democrats said, we have to do something. Um, Senator Wyden basically said Democrats don't need to see their full 2021 child tax credit expansion, but they need to see something. So I think pretty quickly we'll see at least some questions, some interest around these things, because um, we're at a point that, frankly, lawmakers don't typically let things get to with some of these very popular bipartisan tax breaks completely expired and expected to have an impact on how, for example, businesses plan, things like that. And the child tax credit is still a huge priority for Democrats. But I think one of the big question marks here is what we'll see from the new Ways and Means chairman, Jason Smith. Uh, he's a Missouri Republican. He won the job this week. And while we know a good amount about him, he's just sort of setting up his staff, getting going as chairman of Ways and Means. He was the top Republican on budget uh, previously, and we know that he has a vision of the Republican Party more aligned with President Trump, more populist. Uh, he's talked about downplaying what corporations need, playing up what poor Americans need, but we'll see what that actually looks like for him in the coming months. And I think you know one of the things that Republicans do you want to bring up the uh, 2017 tax law and pieces that expire after 2025? That's something he said he wants to hold hearings on. I'm hearing from some of the new Ways and Means Republicans, you know, they want to take a look at all of it. They want to examine it. I think this idea of 
starting to have those discussions, but I think it would be complicated to potentially actually try to move legislation because one of the big issues you have is the salt cap and the number of Republicans who oppose that with yeah, that's the, the cap. That's the cap on state and local uh, tax deductions that you can use on your, on your federal return that Republicans push through. That a, a lot of people in high takes high tax states, particularly some Democrats, are, are vigorously opposed to that cap and want to lift it. Yeah, exactly, and it is such a district issue, um, especially in the suburbs of some big cities where the cost of living is high. Their blue states taxes are high. For example, the New York City area, you saw Republicans win in Long Island, Staten Island. Um, Nicole Maliotakis just got added to Ways and Means. Uh, you know, she's a big salt proponent. I think that complicates some of those discussions. Um, but we're also going to see tax issues, I think, be significant in House Republicans' messaging and IRS funding has already been something that they're really going after. Right. But it does sound like, Laura, that the that the crucial sticking point here for any tax deal is that child tax credit. What you're talking about is the expanded credit that was paid out monthly, right, that has since expired. The Democrats are really eager to restore. Um, and my sense is, tell me if I'm wrong, but Republicans really didn't like that thing. They thought it was too costly and they don't like that it was it was divorced from any work requirement, right? It, it, to them, it became just sort of a welfare payment because you didn't have to show you were working to get the credit. That was the basic conflict there over that child tax credit that sounds like it's a sharp partisan divide now and Democrats are insisting on restoring it. Republicans don't like it. And Democrats don't want to consider the other any other tax breaks unless they get the child tax credit. Is that where we are? Yeah, that's where we are, and we'll see how much that holds. Um, Jason Smith has said he wants to talk about the child tax credit, but we'll see exactly what he means by that, because as you mentioned, he, like fellow Republicans, is very insistent on work requirements. Um, the work requirements could look like a lot of different things, so we'll see exactly what that would mean. There are some Republicans who are willing to expand the credit more for poorer people who make less income, but having some kind of tax liability. So Democrats felt very strongly about making the credit fully refundable, which basically makes it available to people who owe little or nothing in income taxes. But that's something Republicans have said no to. The monthly payment of it is something Republicans have said no to. Um, there are other pieces of it, but Republicans have also been supportive of the child tax credit. They increased its value in their 2017 tax law. That's something that expires after 2025. So I think we will see discussions in the coming years that are substantive about that with the child tax credit being part of that cliff. I think it's clear there are, is room for some kind of compromise in terms of policy beliefs, because both parties have supported this credit. I think it's a matter of both which areas and also if Republicans really want to 
do something to expand this credit right now for a variety of reasons. You think anything like that's possible this year? I think we'll see more in the coming months, uh, you know, once the Senate's back, Jason Smith settles in, and we see if there are substantive discussions on an extenders package. Uh, I don't think it would be a major increase to the child tax credit. I think anything that was done would be far, far smaller than that 2021 expansion. Right now, the path to getting tax like that done seems extremely complicated. Um, But I do think that top tax writers want to have those conversations at the least. Okay. I'm not going to hold my breath on that one, but that's all the time we have. Thank you again to Paul Krozak. Thanks again, Paul. Thank you. And Aiden Quigley, thank you. Thanks. And Laura Weiss, thank you again. Thanks. And thank you all for listening. You can you can check out all of their preview stories about the fiscal agenda at CQ.com and RollCall.com. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and we will see you next time. <laughs>